The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. In the seventh round of the 2020 NFL Draft, the Giants had four selections, four opportunities to add some nice developmental backup potential players to impact and improve the roster in those final pieces, essentially grabbing the highest of priority undrafted free agents. The first guy we're going to be talking about in this seventh round on today's episode is Carter Coughlin. This is the Chris and Joe Show. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum here on Big Blue View Radio, presented to you by SB Nation. We are talking, as I said, about Mr. Carter Coughlin, who was a guy that Chris, you really, really liked on draft day, and you talked very highly of him, how you thought that he was drafted with very good value, a guy that you saw as going in earlier rounds, ended up falling to the Giants in the seventh round. But what we see with Coughlin, he's an edge player. He's a, also has the potential to play outside linebacker, six foot three, two, 236, not super long arms with 31-inch arms, and he was an all-big 10 uh, second team selection. But what I see though with him, Chris, overall, he's a really, really smart guy. Might not be super athletic, but he is so instinctive and he knows exactly what he needs to do on every single play. Yeah, that that I think is the thing that just jumps off the film when it comes to Carter Coughlin. He pretty much knows what he's doing all of the time. He reacts quickly, he reacts well, and he doesn't hesitate. You know, maybe a slight hesitation here or there that you're going to see that in everybody's game. He commits quickly. He commits fully. He has a white hot, wide open motor, and he just never slows down. He is just—he's limited athletically, and you know, personally, I'm kind of on the side that I think he's going to have to make a bit of a position switch. You know, I, I kind of like him as a Kunal or Invictus, as longtime Big Blue View readers know him mentioned Carter Coughlin as kind of a poor man Zach Bond, and I like that comparison. I think that could be his path forward in the NFL, just moving from edge to off-ball linebacker and really putting that those smarts, that instinctive nature of his to use. 
I love that conversation that you just brought up there, that point that, and you even mentioned this after the draft, that he really is the poorest uh, man's version of Zach Bond in being a little bit versatile. He has experience as an edge rusher, but he seems much better off playing as an off-ball outside linebacker. He knows how to pass rush, like I said, but he has that instinctive ability to always locate the football and always come down and make a play on it. We're going to get into talking about all these very traits that he does. The things that we're going to cover on today's show are his ability to pass rush and also even cover a little bit, his ability to defend the run, and then also with any linebacker, edge rusher, defensive chess piece, if you will, his tackling and his awareness. Now, at Minnesota, he was coming off the edge a lot in a stand-up two-point position, coming off the edge against offensive tackles and tight ends. There were some instances where they did move him back a little bit, but his primary usage was defending the run on the edge and also pass rushing. Now, if we're talking about his pass rush, he has... Not really a lot of athletic explosiveness that makes you think, oh, he can really do this full time. And I think that's partially inspiring you, Chris, to say that he's probably better off as an off-ball linebacker. That lack of explosiveness and burst really kind of hindered him. And for some whatever reason, Chris, and it frustrated the hell out of me watching him, he constantly was trying to bull rush these gigantic 300-pounders when he's not even 240 pounds. So I kept watching him just go straight at him, lock arms out, and then he kept getting halted after a couple yards of, of pushing the offensive lineman back. But as soon as an offensive lineman regains their balance, you're not really going to go anywhere. If they're able to wrap up, grab their, your hands inside with his shorter arms, he's not going to make any progress. But the one thing I did really like to see is whenever he ripped, sometimes he spun, that stuff was very hard for some of these tackles, some of these good tackles in the Big Ten to keep track of him because – it fits a little bit better of what his style and his size uh, makes a, a more of an advantage for him. Yeah, I noticed that as well. I think part of it comes down to just his aggression as a player. He wants to get after guys. He wants to beat tackles, not just get past them, but beat them. So I think that might be at least one of the things that leads him to constantly bull rush guys. And you know, like you said, he just doesn't have the frame to beat a 300, 330-pound tackle who's going to have arms almost five inches longer than him and have anywhere between 70 and 100 pounds on him. It, that that just should not be his game. You know, we were talking before the before we started recording and said, you know, the, the two options for him are kind of to either bulk up and try to get to be the size of a traditional edge, you know, somewhere between 260 and 270, 280, whatever, or transition to off-ball linebacker. And personally, I'm not a big fan of asking guys to gain weight because there's just a certain size you should be. That's genetics. But he does have enough athleticism to be able to move well enough in space. And there were a few times where you saw him rush from a wide alignment. You mentioned it with him doing uh, some speed rushes. There were also some cases where he rushed up the middle. I believe it was either as an A or B gap blitzer as a linebacker. And while he is athletic for an edge, he ran a 4-5-40, 36-inch vertical jump, 10-6 broad jump. So in just completely linear situations, he does have some burst to him. So if you can get him wide or get him up the middle, he can use that to beat blockers. But if he's kind of in a more traditional edge alignment as a 
five technique, seven technique, whatever, he's not going to be able to do it. It's interesting you bring up that speed number, and he doesn't really flash that a ton because of where he was lined up and what he was doing. Again, we're talking about how he's trying to use a, a skill set that didn't work for him. He's trying to pass rush like he was a 280-pounder coming at these big uh, offensive linemen, almost almost like he thought he was A.J. Epinesa with all that size and, and, and bulk to bull rush these players, but he doesn't have that size. So if you coach him up, you get him to work a little bit more, all right, you're fast, you're quick, you're not really flexible and twitchy, but you have that that long speed, you can use that to your advantage. And I saw in instances where they did stunt him and they also lined him up more towards the middle in like a three technique look, still standing up. He was able to get through and also maybe not even get home and get that sack, but he was at least able to cause a little bit of disruption that caused some awkward sliding by the offensive line. Some instances leading to sacks by other guys or hurries on the back end of the pass rush. I think he has some athletic abilities to cause some problems on passing downs along the uh, the line of scrimmage, but it might not be his his full-time duty because he's not really built and equipped physically to do that. And I think the big thing, though, Chris, and we, again, we were talking about this before the show when we were trying to make sense of who he was as a prospect, he doesn't really have that, that hip flexibility that you want in an edge rusher. You want guys that have really, really strong, fluid hips that can bend, can contort themselves into a position that makes it too awkward for an offensive lineman to get at him. And, and the reason why he kept getting halted was because he wasn't able to really contort himself that much and his chest was wide open whenever he was coming at guys with locked out arms. Yeah, exactly. I think that might be the other reason why he bull rushed so many times. I did notice when he was rushing from a more traditional alignment, when he tried to take an outside pass, he would lose his feet. His feet would just go out from underneath him, and he would wind up on the ground. And to me, that really does kind of hint towards stiff ankles, stiff hips, and just an an inability to corner with speed and keep your feet flat on the ground. It's not easy. You know, there's a reason why the guys who can do that are drafted at the top of the first round. Those are the traits that really separate guys like Von Miller or Khalil Mack or a, a couple other names we brought up before the show, uh, Elvis Dumerville, uh, Freeney and Mathis when they were with the Colts, You know, as undersized guys, but guys who can really bend and use their speed around the edge. Carter Coughlin has a lot of really positive traits, but that just isn't one of them. The other thing too, and he, he barely did it at like at all because his, again, his primary usage was as an edge defender, a guy that was right on the line of scrimmage coming after these offensive tackles. When he did do it though, I, I would say for an edge player, he does a decent job of dropping in pass zones. And just if, if there's a, a blitz coming on the opposite side and they need him to drop out and fill a certain gap, I, he was able to do it pretty fluidly. Not to the extent of a, a linebacker that does it consistently, but for an edge defender with hip problems, I don't think he, he looked too terrible doing it. So it makes me a little bit more comfortable thinking, all right, we could see a transition to an off-ball outside linebacker because he did it a couple times here and there, and he was able to do it relatively fine. Yeah, and maybe that's something he can get better at just when we get to that section of our breakdown. Maybe that's something he can get better at. 
as he does it more, if he does make that transition to where he's playing off ball in space, 70, 80% of the snaps, and is only rushing as a blitzer every once in a while when Patrick Graham dials up pressure. Chris, I have to say, though, watching him for a fact, his best trait, and it was very, very good when I talk about it being his best trait, is his ability to defend the run. There were a lot of plays. The one game that I watched the most of was the Penn State game. I was able to get access to the All-22 for that game. And, I, man, watching him against Penn State, he was causing some serious problems in the run game. For whatever reason, they kept trying to run at him, run these RPOs in his direction, and he was not having any of it. He was limiting any gains more than a couple yards. He was able to wrap guys up. If the ball was coming in the opposite direction and he was the unblocked man uh, on the end of the line of scrimmage, he tracked the ball down. He came parallel to the line of scrimmage down the line and was able to take those guys down for a couple yards. He is, when we were talking about instincts, he is so instinctive in finding the ball. And that is such a hard thing sometimes to coach up in guys. There's some guys that are athletic freaks, but have no clue how to find the football. For example, that was a big knock on Rashawn Gary when he was coming out of Michigan, that he's really athletic. He can get uh, get himself free a lot, but does he actually have the ability to find the football and make plays? Carter Coughlin has that. He might not have this twitchiness and this overall uh, overpowering athletic ability, but he knows where the football is against the run and he finds it and he makes really, really good plays to limit any gains. Yeah, I I noticed that as well. He is a really sound run defender. He's smart. Like you said, he diagnoses well. I was also impressed with his discipline. Uh, You talked about the Penn State game. I like this one play from the Iowa game where Iowa runs a reverse. Normally when you think of Iowa football, you think downhill rushing attack they've got these big honking offensive linemen guys like Alaric Johnson or Alaric Jackson or, or Tristan Wirfs where they can just move dudes well in this game they decide to run a reverse and pretty much the entire Minnesota defense bites except for Carter Coughlin he stays disciplined he keeps his eye on the ball follows it well and he doesn't exactly make the play but he gets great outside contain, playing against Tristan Wirfs, forces the ball back inside, and slows the play down enough where the rest of the defense can rally to it, so they get the tackle for the loss. So it's plays like that that you just love to see, especially for a guy who might just be transitioning to a linebacker role. Certainly, he really does not get sucked in or or bites too hard on situations where there could be multiple reads. If he is that unblocked guy, sometimes players that are undisciplined or might not really know what they need to be doing or how to react properly, sometimes they'll crash down and leave that spot on the outside of the line wide open for an open rushing lane. But he sits, as soon as he realizes no one's blocking him, he sits, he waits, sees if there's anyone pulling, and then he was able to react and limit those rushing gains. He was able to do that on some kept quarterback runs. He was able to do that against running backs. And then the other thing too, when he was unblocked against on these RPO plays, he was able to disrupt the flow and the timing of things to make the opposing quarterback overthink it a little bit too much and not really get the gain that they were trying to get out of it. Uh, Overall though, Chris, I, I just have to say though that this is really, really good to see a guy that is able to know where he has to be 
in the right situation, always there to make the right play. And again, you said, though, exactly the point, that this might make him a really, really good asset as a transition to more of an off-ball linebacker. It's just a matter of if, if we can find out if he can move properly in space instead of a tighter window along the line of scrimmage. Yeah, definitely. And the way offenses in the NFL are trending, they're going more and more towards putting defenders in bad positions positions they want to create conflicts they want to create indecision and they want to use that to simplify the game for the quarterback and create opportunities for their skill position players you know we saw a couple years ago the philadelphia eagles win a super bowl basically running an rpo college offense and having a guy like coughlin who can be disciplined, react quickly, react react quickly, react correctly. I really do think the Giants got a great value getting him in the seventh round. It is really tremendous value. And the last thing, though, Chris, that we want to address here with Carter Coughlin, because he's a linebacker and he could might end up turning into an off-ball linebacker, is his tackling. And when I saw him in one-on-one solo tackle situations, I really saw a guy that has very good tackling technique. He's always understanding where that that point of pressure that he can tackle a guy, he'll go down pretty easily. Doesn't always need to lay a big hit or a big boom on someone, but in the right position, does not get too overly excited and dive at guys or try and go for that huge hit and whiffs or misses. Just technically sound, able to wrap those guys up. And if he doesn't maybe completely stop the penetration and upfield progress of a guy, he at least can slow them down to the point where the swarm tackling can come in play and they can prevent a ball carrier from getting any further yards. So just a very overall technically sound tackler. Again, I think that is enough to make him uh, more proof that he should be an off-ball linebacker. Yeah, and really that isn't a surprise looking at the entire rest of his game. You see a guy who is... As smart as he is, as disciplined as he is, who has the motor that he does, it would be a surprise if he wasn't a good, solid tackler. Next, we're going to discuss things he needs to work on, as well as the ceiling and the floor for him as a prospect. But before we get on to that, folks, we're going to take a really short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. For Carter Coughlin, there are a number of key things that he needs to work on, and they're a bit more related to his ability to rush the passer. 
For him, though, Chris, the one thing that we can't really fix on him is his athletic ability, his his flex, his, his twitch, his, his hip flexibility, that kind of stuff, what he can do in terms of physical mobility. That's not really going to be very easy to adjust and work on for a guy that was drafted in the seventh round. But we do see him as a pass rusher. We can all agree here that he needs to diversify his pass rush moves. It was more often than not a bull rush, and then if he wasn't bull rushing, he'd come in with a rip. He, I saw him spin once, and that was it. So he needs to do more. He needs to add more to that if he wants to be more successful. The best pass rushers in this league have a ton of moves that they can work with, and they're really good with their hands. Now, he doesn't need to have a huge skill set of it, but if he wants to get more of a role as a pass rusher, he's going to at least need to add a couple moves to keep offensive linemen guessing. Definitely, and I part of that, I think, will be getting used in a more diverse role, getting to rush up the middle, getting to rush from a wide alignment, getting used in more stunts and twists, just not using him as a traditional pin your ears back and rush an offensive tackle edge. I think that will definitely help his pass rush. But also, like you said, getting more moves, a more diverse skill set, maybe adding a long arm, uh, getting better with his uh, rip move or a club rip, adding more spin moves, really trying to make use of the fact that he does have a bit of a quickness advantage and he does have a naturally low, we'll be kind here, say a naturally low center of gravity. And I would also say he just keep coming back to a transition to an off-ball role, work on and improve on and really polish up the skills that make you a good off-ball linebacker. He's got good awareness, he's got good instincts, but really polish those up for playing in space. You know, he is he has a reputation as a film junkie. Uh, play to that strength. Be the smartest guy on the field. Know what the offense is go- going to do before it even does it. And that will help him play fast, which will really help play to his strengths and hide a lot of his weaknesses. And that also helps him stay on the roster and stick around longer. These guys that are so dove into understanding the scheme and knowing what they need to do and helping everyone around them, those guys are going to stick around longer even if they're not starting. Coaches love guys like that that can elevate the quality of play of everyone around them because he always knows his assignment and to the point where he can know the assignments of guys around him. Instinctive, smart, like you said, being a film junkie. Again, if he doesn't get on the field for a couple years, there's nothing wrong with him still being that really smart, instinctive backup player that comes in in certain situations and and can have an impact because he always knows his role on the defense. Chris, the other thing too in terms of things that he needs to work on This could go either way. This isn't like a definite he has to do this because if he decides or the Giants rather decide he is an edge rusher, we're going to use you on the edge, he needs to add more weight. If he makes that move to off-ball outside linebacker, maybe even inside linebacker, he'll probably stick around 236, maybe get a little bit heavier to 245. But if he's going to be an outside linebacker coming off the edge as a pass rusher or just an edge defender – He's got to get up to at least 265. 236 is not going to cut it against some really big mauling tackles and even guards, if depending on where he's lined up. Yeah, definitely. But I, I would be disappointed, I think, if the Giants coaching staff really d- decides to go that route with him. I said it in the first half. I am not a big fan of asking guys to gain weight. I, I figure find your playing weight and then... It's the coach's job to put you in a role where you can maximize your skill set 
at that weight. Getting too big, you're, that's when you start putting strain on joints, injuries start cropping up. You really run the risk of losing your athleticism, which for a guy like Carter Coughlin, he doesn't have a whole lot of athleticism to move, to lose. So yeah, to me, that's a, that's a big risk if they decide to go that route. I'm really in agreement with you on that one because the other thing too is when you ask a guy to add weight, you don't really know what the product you're going to get. You could get a guy that because he's heavier struggles to move even more and Carter Coughlin already has some issues with hip flexibility. So can you really guarantee adding weight will do the right thing for him? So realistically, getting up to 245 playing as an off-ball linebacker is probably his best bet as we've both been saying in this show. His physical frame, his mental capacity, his football IQ all favor that as a linebacker rather than being an edge rusher. Now, Chris, if we're talking about Carter Coughlin's ceiling, what I really saw in him and what we've pretty much discussed this whole show is that I think you can get out of him best possible situation as being a mainstay as a sub-packaged linebacker and edge defender. And the way that I see him more so is as a base look guy. So whenever you're in that base 4-3, you can keep him on the field based on the variations that Patrick Graham wants to run. If you want to keep him off the line of scrimmage, if you want to put him on the line of scrimmage to blitz him or send him off the edge or defend the edge against the run, you can do all of that. And I like him in these early down situations because he has the instincts to find the ball. He has the that mental awareness and football IQ ability to track the ball and make plays against the run on first and second down. I don't really see a role where he could be a third down player that comes in to, to rush the passer on third down or is consistently dropping in pass coverage on thirds down, third down. So after you're out of that base look and you want to bring your nickel on, your dime, quarter, dollar, whatever it is, if you want to bring in those sub packages that have extra defensive backs, I would assume Carter Coughlin would be the first guy coming off the field because it's not really his skill set. But because of his skill set, when you're facing offenses that have extra tight ends on the field, they're coming out in single back, they're coming out in two, uh, you know, uh, two running backs, 21 personnel, 12 personnel, all that stuff. That is when I want Carter uh, Coughlin on the field. I tend to agree. I think whether or not he is a third down player might depend on the other guys on the field. If the Giants get enough range from Xavier McKinney, Jarrell Peppers, Julian Love, Lorenzo Carter, like if they can get enough coverage out of those guys where they don't have to rely on Carter Coughlin to drop into coverage all the time, hang with running backs or tight ends, or potentially even slot receivers and maybe they can blitz him if he does prove to be an effective blitzer. If that happens, I think he could be an every-down player. But that is a pretty big if. In fact, that's a, that's a couple ifs. And when you start stacking ifs on top of each other, that's when you start to really get into the realm of hoping. So if we're just saying a realistic ceiling, I pretty much agree with you. I think just a sub-package or... You know, maybe it's a, a heavy package linebacker, a guy who can do a little bit of everything, but if you want your fastest guys on the field, you know, for a big third down, 
I would probably want somebody else. Yeah, if we're looking at Carter Coughlin now, you don't really want him in those situations. Maybe he does develop. And you, you like you said, there's a really big if on that. He does have potential for that. But the more realistic high ceiling for him is primarily a base look guy that is going to be a really good run defender for you. But you don't really need him in those passing situations because you have a defense that's molded around, all right, when we know that they're going to throw the ball, we can bring in all of those defensive backs that you named and be able to work with their strengths on those various downs. Now, if we're talking about his floor, I think he has probably one of the best floors out of these seventh rounders, better than Cam Brown's too, like we were saying earlier uh, before the show, Chris. I see for him special teams. He seems like he fits the perfect exact mold of what you want in a seventh rounder, a guy that is going to be a mainstay on special teams. I see as his floor being a guy that can stick around for a very long time. And you had this really good comparison before we started of saying that he could be like a Mark Herzlick or Chase Blackburn, a guy that is around for a long time, a couple contracts, and is that core special teamer that knows where he has to be is always lined up in the right spot, helping elevate the level of play and intelligence of younger guys and guys around him in a couple years. Just having that natural football IQ, I think, makes him a perfect candidate to be a really standout special teams player. And if you don't get him on the field for a few years because of all that stuff, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if you if you can't really work him in, you don't think he's physically ready to work in on these various rotations at the linebacker position. Keep him on special teams. He's going to go out there. He's going to be productive. And at the very least, he's going to stick around for a while, barring any crazy circumstance. He has what you're looking for in terms of mental processing to be a really, really good special teamer. Yeah, I agree completely. And and I think I think Mark Herzlick might actually be a best case scenario for Carter Coughlin, or at least a realistic best case scenario. When Her- Herzlick finally retired, it was honestly surprising how long he had been with the Giants. He had been with the Giants for almost a decade, which is really good for a guy who A, beat cancer to get into the NFL, and B, was an undrafted free agent. And I think that might be a good comp for Carter Coughlin, uh, Mark Herzlick after cancer, because if you think back to him playing for Boston College before cancer, he was probably a top 20 pick, maybe even better than that. He was phenomenal. But after cancer, you know, that really sapped a lot of his athleticism. Carter Coughlin, I don't think he is as big as Herzlick was, but they have very similar football IQ, very similar instincts, great motor, great leadership. Herzlick was a consistent performer on special teams. He was a guy who, like you said, really smart, could help everybody, always knew where to be, and he was always there. But then I think he was actually a little bit underrated as a linebacker, particularly as a run-defending linebacker. He was very sound. He was able to execute his assignments, and he didn't have a whole lot of lapses when it came to defending the run. Now, defending the pass, that was another that, that was another thing where, again, athleticism came into play. But I think if the Giants could get basically another Mark Herzlick out of Carter Coughlin, I think they would be absolutely thrilled with that as a seventh round pick. Yeah, that'd be that'd be tremendous value if that's what you got out of him. If you got a guy that sticks around for a, a long period of time, 
a, a special teams captain, constant contributor, highly productive, getting tackles, making plays, opening up lanes on kick and punt returns. All that stuff would be huge value for a seventh rounder. If that's all you get out of him, I would be ecstatic if that's what you can get out of a player like Carter Coughlin. That is going to be it from us, folks. Thank you for tuning in, as always, to The Chris and Joe Show. Be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you are listening to us and give us your thoughts on the show. You can also tweet at us on Twitter at BigBlueView. You can tweet at me at Joe DeLeon and at RaptorMKII for Chris. On to our next show. We have three more players in this draft class that we're going to be getting to for you folks. After this, we are going to be talking about Chris Williamson, the teammate of Carter Coughlin, defensive back from Minnesota. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.